continuing in the gospel, excuse me, in the book of Acts, chapter 24. Yeshua's emissaries, the Shalakim. Acts chapter 24, and we'll begin in verse 14. Acts 24, 15, 14. But this I do admit to you. I worship the God of our fathers in accordance with the way. I continue to believe everything that accords with the Torah and everything written in the prophets. And I continue to have hope in God, which they to accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Indeed, it is because of that I make the point of always having a clear conscience in the sight of God and of man. After an absence several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring a charitable gift to my nation and to offer sacrifices. It was in connection with the latter that they found me in the temple. I had been ceremonially purified. I was not with a crowd, and I was not causing a disturbance. But some of the Jews from the province of Asia, they ought to be here before you to make a charge if they have anything against me. Or else, let these men themselves say what, they, what crime they found me guilty of when I stood in front of the Sanhedrin. Other than this one thing, which I shouted out when I was standing among them, I'm on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. But Felix, who had a rather detailed knowledge of the things connected with the way, put them off saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered the captain to keep Shaul in custody, but to let him have considerable liberty and not prevent any of his friends from taking care of his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Shaul and listened to him as he spoke about trusting in the Messiah, Yeshua. But when Shaul began to discuss righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, For the time being, go away. I will send for you when I get a chance. At the same time, he hoped that Shaul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him rather often and kept talking with him. After two years, Felix was succeeded by Porcerius Festus. But Felix wanted to grant the Judean leaders a favor. He left Shaul still a prisoner. And that's where chapter 24 ends. Now, as we dig here deeper, we'll be able to understand 
the depths of what Rav Shaul was doing. See, he knew that he was speaking to a very corrupt and a pagan judge. But he knows this, that the spirit of living God, by Rav Shaul's example, by his conduct, by the peace that passes all understanding, because he knew that by any whim or, or thought, Felix could have him beaten or even put to death. He could be easily swayed. For this Felix was a very corrupt man. And he was desiring that Rav Shaul would take from the monies that had been raised for the Jewish people to buy him off with a bribe. But what stood before him was a righteous man. A man who the spirit of the living God dwelled. Who was there to proclaim the good news to everyone he met, whether Jew or Gentile. His testimony, his life, his speech was always the same. So now as we dig a little bit deeper here in verse 16. Indeed, it's because of this that I make my point of always having a clear conscience in the sight of God and man. Can we say that of ourselves today? Do you have a clear conscience with your co-workers? Your community, your neighborhood? Your family members? Your extended family members? Are your consciences clear? And to get a fuller understanding of this, we have to dig a little bit here deeper in the scripture. So Shaul makes a point of always having a clear conscience, precisely because he has a clear awareness of the coming judgment. Have we not been instructed in God's word that every word that we speak and even our thoughts will one day be judged before the Lord himself. So let's dig a little bit deeper here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10. See, this was not a new instruction whatsoever, but this was what Rav Shaul not only just preached, but he lived. And this was the instruction that he'd been giving to those Messianic communities that he had the opportunity to give birth to and to nurture and to other uh, Messianic communities, congregations throughout that known world. He would write letters to them, encouraging them so that they can walk in their holy faith. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and we're beginning in verse number 10. Using the grace God gave me, I laid a foundation like a skilled master builder and another man building on it. See, this work we do not do alone. We are co-laborers in Messiah. Going forward here. But, leech, but let each one be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which Yeshua is Yeshua the Messiah. Some will use gold and silver or, or other precious stones in building on this foundation. 
while others will use wood, grass, or straw. But each one's work will be shown for what it is. The day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by what? By fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If the work someone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will have to bear the loss. He will still escape with his life, but it will be like escaping through the fire. And is this a fire of man's own making or lightning strike? No, this is the fire of God. For what does the word say? Our God is an all-consuming fire. He's a holy God. And so the works that we have been accomplishing here on this earth, if Yeshua is not the cornerstone, and if he's not the focus, and we're allowing our brothers and sisters to build upon that foundation, I'm speaking of the Messianic community, we work together. Not anyone no one possesses all the gifts. That is the giving of the spirit of the living God gives the gifts. Able to speak, able to sing. You can fill in the blank. So now let's continue here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and beginning in verse 25. Now, here's another comparison. It's like a word picture. Now, every athlete in training submits himself to strict discipline. And he does it just to win a laurel wreath that will soon wither away. But we do it to win a crown that will last forever. See, there are people in this world, and we've known them. And at one time in life, we were them. They were seeking to accomplish all these things. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished in my life. But one day that will all wither away. But those who build God's kingdom will receive a crown that will last forever. Going on in verse 26. Accordingly, I don't run aimlessly, but straight to finish to that finish line. I don't shadow box but try to make every punch count. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Have we not heard in the news about godly men and women coming now through the realization now through trials and tribulations of their own life? They've walked away from God. They're now confessing that they don't believe in him anymore. They have disqualified themselves. Because what they were building on and what the relationship they, they had was not a true relationship with the Lord. So going forward here, let's now turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses, verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Through these scriptures, we see that the Lord had a, a pattern 
for Rav Shaul to work through his own life. Aren't we instructed in Scripture to take every thought captive? Are we not instructed that we are to have the mind of a Messiah? Have you ever been offended by a fellow believer and you want to take retribution against that person? You want to give them a piece of your mind? We've all been there. But do we step back and ask the Lord to take that pain, that discomfort, that offense, and allow the Lord to mold our mind in the mind of Messiah? Going forward here, Philippians chapter 3 and beginning at verse number 12. It is not that I have already obtained it or already reached the goal. No, I keep pursuing it in hope of taking hold of that which is the Messiah took hold of me. Are you now pursuing now, honestly? Are you now pursuing the Lord? Or are you pursuing something in this earth? Some major accomplishment? Something that you just have to have? Or are you pursuing intimacy with the Lord? Is heaven all about Yeshua? Or is it about streets of gold? And all these other things? It's a relationship. Think about God the Father. He turned to his son one day and he said, Now's the time to go, to be born, and to live a life as a human being, though being God, so that you can redeem the world. Yeshua did not hesitate. He did it. He humbled himself as a servant. He took abuse and rejection in this world. Are we willing to do likewise? We're not going to be the Messiah, but as we suffer in this earth through Messiah, we enter into his sufferings. And what do the people around us see? The people who are also hurting and are crying out for hope in this day. They see the life of Messiah, the peace that passes all understanding that's being lived out daily. It's nothing we can put on. Nothing we can fake. When we come to the end of ourselves, when it feels like we're being crushed and we're being overcome, that's when the essence of God's spirit is being revealed in and through us. Let's go forward here. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Verse 13. Brothers, I for my part... Do not think of myself as having yet gotten hold of it. But the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I keep on trust pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward call, his calling in Messiah Yeshua. See, that was his pursuit of life. 
He counted everything else in life, all his other former accomplishments, as dung so that he could have Messiah. Just as uh, Messiah possessed him, he desired to possess Messiah in all his fullness. Verse 15, Therefore, as many of us are mature, let us keep paying attention to this. And if you're differently minded about anything, God will reveal this to you. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying, now, allow the Spirit to examine you. See, because there are times when we, we have this opinion, we have our picture of ourselves. Those of us who are married, God blesses with a spouse that can actually put a mirror before our eyes and actually be a sounding board in our lives. But those of you who are single, you have the spirit. Just as married couples have the spirit of living God dwelling within them to lead them into all truth. Going on to 16. Only let your conduct, conduct fit the level we have already reached. Brothers, joining in imitating me. He's saying now, I'm now your example. See, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not a, a gospel superstar. I haven't arrived. I'm still pursuing. It's Messiah. I see my carnal nature being manifest in my daily, if not weekly life. And I want to be transformed in the image and likeness of the Son of God. Continuing here. Brothers, in verse 17, brothers, join me, join in imitating me and pay attention to those who live according to the pattern that we have set for you. So the world wants us to follow after their example, do they not? You know what's going to be beautiful the day that you and I actually meet Rav Shaul in heaven? And I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to say thank you. Because what you wrote and how you lived your life gave me the opportunity to realize that just as you matured in the Lord, I also have that opportunity. Think of the legacy of the myriads of people from the time that these books were written up until now, all the generations from all the nations who have been inspired and equipped and transformed by the light of this man's life. And he doesn't say, well, follow me because I'm great. He says, follow me in my pursuit of knowing Messiah, pursuing with my whole heart, mind, soul, and being. Are we pursuing the Lord today? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let us examine a little bit closer of chapter 24, verse 17. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring a charitable gift to my nation and to offer sacrifices. It was in connection with this letter that they found me in the temple. I had been ceremonially purified. I was not with a crowd and I was not causing a disturbance. Now, after reading this, these verses here, for the very first time, I thought, well, he's just bringing something from his own storehouse of wealth. 
But now as we dig a little bit deeper here, we find out, no, he was bringing a charitable gift from others. So now let's focus on that. To bring a charitable gift. Now, this is not even mentioned in chapter 21 of Acts. But it is confirmed by Shaul, the Apostle Paul, in his own letters. Let us now turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 25. And we'll find about the background of how he acquired this charitable gift. So we're in Romans chapter 15 and verse 25. The beauty of what is going to be revealed here is the body of Messiah working towards a blessing and a love one towards another. So chapter 15 and beginning at verse 25. But now I'm going to Jerusalem. And who's he speaking to? But a congregation from Rome. You see, up to this time, Rav Shaul had never been to Rome. So this is one of the Messianic communities there that someone else gave birth to. But now I'm going to Jerusalem with the aid for God's people there. For Macedonia and Acacia thought it would be good to make some contribution to the poor among God's people in Jerusalem. Wait a second. Are you saying here that both Jews and Gentiles from these uh, new Messianic communities there were, were willing to give to help their brothers and sisters who are now suffering in the land of Israel? Absolutely. Going on. They were pleased to do it. But the fact is that they owe it to them. What do you mean? Well, you must first understand this. The Torah was giving, given to the Jewish people. Messiah came through the Jewish people. And so the salvation, now speaking to those who had been grafted in from the nations, who are now becoming part of these Messianic communities, they owed their spiritual elder brothers and sisters. Let's continue here with Rav Shaul's thought here. Verse 27, they were pleased to do it, but the fact is that they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared with the Jews in spiritual matters, then the Gentiles clearly have a duty to help the Jewish people in material matters. Hey, isn't that kind of what the Lord's going to do when he gathers all the people? And he judges them after the millennial reign of Messiah. And everyone is standing before him. And he separates the sheep and the goat. And he's a good shepherd. He knows and he recognizes what a goat is. And he recognizes what a sheep is. 
So going forward here, having that thought planted in your mind. So when I have finished this task and have made certain that they have received this fruit, I will leave for Spain and visit with, with you on my way there. And I know that when I come to you, it will be with full measure of the Messiah's blessing. And now I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying God to God on my behalf, that I will be rescued from unbelievers in Yehuda. And who are they? His kinsmen, who still have a veil over their lives, who believe in the conscience of their own hearts that they're being, that he's leading astray the people of Israel, both in the land and part of the diaspora. And also he's gathering together a group of Gentiles and leading them into deception. See, this was the same place where Rav Shaul was until Messiah revealed to him on the way to Damascus. But let's go forward here. That I will be rescued from the unbelievers in Yehuda, Judah, and that my service for Jerusalem, Jerusalem will be accepted to God's people there. See, he's not only bringing a gift to the suffering Messianic Jews in Jerusalem, but also his fellow Jews who do not even know Messiah up to this point. Then, if it is God's will, I will come to you with joy and have a time of rest among you. Now, may the God of Shalom be with you all. Amen. Now, going forward here a little bit further. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 4. Beginning at verse 1. Now in regard to the collection being made for God's people, you are to do the same as directed, as I directed the congregation in Galatia to do. Every week on Mosei Shabbat, the ending of the Shabbat, the evening as the sun went down, each of you should set some money aside according to his resources and save it up so that when I come, I won't have to do fundraising. Did you hear that word? How many times have you been in a service where an elder or a deacon will come up and they'll take up an offering upon offering upon offering upon offering, and there are non-believers in the midst, and that's what they say. They begin to think, well, they're all just about offerings. How much easier if the fundraising was done prior so that those that came, both the believers and the non-believers from the community, 
could simply hear the word of God spoken and taught and the worship and the praise of God. So he's now, he's setting up a, a formula, a type, a system. So going forward here in verse 3. And when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the people you have approved. And I will send them to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems appropriate that I go too, they will go along with me. See, he's now trying to stir that up within them. Because he knows that sometime in the future, he does not know the day or the hour. Because when he was traveling from village to village and proclaiming the good news, bandits could have taken him. He could have died by the hands of his own brethren who had veil over their eyes because there was a price on his head. And so he wanted to build community and relationship. And think about those who were suffering in Jerusalem, both the Messianic Jews and some of those were Judaizers. And then all of a sudden there's a gift coming from where? From these congregations who were predominantly Gentiles. And they were showing love and mercy and grace and saying, I now praise God for you Jewish people for whom Messiah came from. And now I've been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. We now are now enjoying the spiritual gifts through the Torah, through now having a relationship with Messiah. We now are growing spiritually. We're now born again. We have now joy and peace that passes all understanding. So out of the abundance that God is giving us through knowing Messiah, knowing God the Father, through salvation, we want to share with you of our goods, of our wealth, because you're in need and we love you. We're part of the family of God. Would that not speak to those who are trying to making these Gentiles Judaizers? And would this not also speak to those who had veil over their eyes? Where did this contribution come from? It didn't come from Felix. It didn't come from Herod. Where did it come from? Those Gentiles and your Jewish brethren who are part of the diaspora from their own meager income they hear of your plight. They hear of your pain, your suffering. And they want to show love, a tangible gift to you. It's said in the scripture many times that God's people are known by what? Their love. By their compassion. Yaakov said, you speak of faith. But your faith without demonstration 
is meaningless. Let's go forward here a little bit more. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we'll end on this scripture today. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And beginning at verse 1. Now, brothers, we must tell you about the grace of God has given the congregations in Macedonia despite several trials and even though they are desperately poor. Their joy is overflowed in wealth and generosity. I tell you that they have not merely given according to their means, but of their own free will. And they have given beyond their means. They begged and pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service for God's people. Who are God's people? The Jewish people. Also, they didn't do this in a way that we expected. But first, they gave themselves to the Lord, which means by God's will to us. All this has led us to urge Titus to bring this same great gracious gift to completion among you. Since he has already made a beginning of it, just as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge, in diligence of every kind, in your love for us. See that you excel in this gift too. I'm not assuming, I'm not issuing an order, rather. I'm trusting the genuineness of your love against the genuine, against the diligence of others. For you know how generous our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, was. For our sakes, he was he impoverished himself, even though he was rich, so that he might make you rich by means of his poverty. Doesn't that speak to your heart? As I say in regard to this matter, I am only given an opinion. A year ago, you were not only the first to take the action, but the first to want to do so. Now it would be our, to our advantage to finish what you started, so that your eagerness in wanting to commence the project may be matched by your eagerness to complete it. As you contribute from what you have, for if the eagerness to give is there, the acceptability of the gift will be measured by what you have, not by what you don't have. It's not that relief of others should cause trouble for you, but there should be a kind of reciprocity, reciprocity thank you, at the presence of your abundance can help those in need so that when you are in need, their abundance can help you. Thus, their reciprocity is, as the Tanakh says, he who gathered much had nothing extra, and he who gathered little had nothing lacking. Now, I thank God for making Titus as devoted to you as we are. 
For he not only responded to your urging, but being so devoted, he is coming to you on his own initiative. Along with him, we are sending the brother whose work for, God, for the good news is praised in all the congregations. Not only that, he has been appointed by the congregations to travel with us so that the way we administer this charitable work will bring honor to the Lord and show your eagerness to help. Our aim in this is to show that our conduct in dealing with these substantial sums is above reproach. For we take pains to do what is right, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of other people. Remember what Rav Shaul said in chapter 24? Going forward here. We, with these two, we are sending another brother of ours, one who is diligent, whose diligence we have tested many times in many ways, but who is now all the more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner, who works with me on your behalf, and the other brothers with him are the emissaries of the congregations and bring honor to Messiah, so that the love you show these men will justify our pride in you to them, and through them to the congregations that sent them. There is really no need for me to write to you about this offering for God's people. I know how eager you are, and I boast about you to the Macedonians, I tell them. Acacia has been ready since last year. It was your zeal that stirred up most of them. But now I am sending the brothers so that our boast about you in this regard will not prove hollow. So that you will be ready as I said you would be. For if some Macedonians were to come with me and find you unprepared... We would be humiliated at having been so confident to say nothing of how you would feel. So I thought it necessary to urge these brothers to go on to you ahead of me and prepare your promised gift in plenty of time. This way it will be ready when I come and, and it will be a genuine gift, not something extracted by pressure. Have you ever been to services or Bible camp? They're taking multiple offerings. Oh, we got to hit the goal. we got to hit this goal. Continuing here. Here's the point. He who plants sparingly also harvests sparingly. Each should give according to what he has decided in his heart. Notice that. We're, how do we give? By the leading of the Spirit. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Because our Father God is a cheerful giver. He's given us eternal life and more. Moreover, God has the power to provide you with every gracious gift in abundance so that always in every way you will have all you need yourselves and be able to provide abundantly for every good cause. As the Tanakh says, he gave generously to the poor and his zedekah last. Zedakah lasts forever. He who provides both seed for the planter and the bread for the food will supply 
and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteous gift. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in everything. And through us, your generosity will cause people to thank God. Think about those who have the veil over their eyes. Unheard of. I don't know. I don't even know these pagan Gentiles that live in the diaspora. And, and, and now they're giving to us? They're, they're meeting our need. They're feeding my children. They're enabling me to pay our taxes. Unheard of. Undeniable love and compassion. God must be getting a hold of these Gentiles. Amen. Going forward here. Because God rendering this holy service not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also overflows in many thanks people will be giving to God. In offering this service, you prove to these people that you glorify God by actually doing what your acknowledgement of good news of the Messiah requires. Did you hear that? Their testimony was not that I praise the Lord. I go on the Sabbath and I worship with these Jewish people who are now Messianic Jews. But their testimony is that they know him. This acknowledgement is undeniable. So going forward here. In offering this service, you prove to these people that you glorify God by actually doing what your acknowledgement of the good news of Messiah requires, namely sharing generously with them and with everyone, both to the Messianic Jews and to those who have the veil over their eyes. And in their, prayer, and in their prayers for you, they will feel a strong affection for you because how gracious God has been to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What a beautiful message that the Lord has. And what are we to do today? But to reach out to those who are hurting and suffering, especially to the Jewish people. Father, we lift up the Jewish people around this whole earth, especially those who are currently suffering in Ukraine, almighty God. Those that have the veil over our eyes, our brothers and sisters, we pray, Father, that you would gently remove the veil from their eyes so they can see salvation in and from Yeshua. We pray right now that your Ruach HaKodesh would descend upon them even now as we speak and to begin ministering to them revealing the truth of who Yeshua is, all the lies, all the deception, all the programs, the Holocaust, all these things would be set aside for a moment so that the Spirit of the living God would minister to them clearly of God's plan for them to receive God's free gift in Messiah. We thank you, Father, for all the Messianic Jews and the rabbis that are still in the land of Ukraine. They're standing by, 
by the, the, the Jewish people had the veil over their eyes and those that have had it removed. They're coming together with the evangelical uh, Christians and they're praying for peace in their land, Almighty God, and your protection. Father, we pray for those Jewish people who have left both Russia and Ukraine, have made Aliyah, and those who are now in the midst of doing that from all the nations of the earth. You're calling them back to the land. We pray for, for, for safety for them, for traveling mercies, for the selling of their homes and their businesses. We pray, Father, for the Jewish people who are now embracing them, the government of Israel. They're now feeding and clothing them, for many of them are just going with a few suitcases with a very little bit of clothing, Father. We just pray for your, vision, your provision for them. May you bless the land of Israel, almighty God, as they go through these transition of receiving more and more people, Jewish people from around the whole wide world, almighty God. We ask this in your holy name. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>